welcome back to Breaking Ground on iProperty Radio with myself, Carol Tallon. You can contact us on social media at iProperty Radio or email hello at iPropertyRadio.com. This week, I'm chatting to Pat Boyle, Head of Group Property Strategy and Development at ESB. Pat, you're very welcome. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you very much, Carol, for having us this morning. Pat, ESB must be obviously one of the most synonymous brands uh, with Ireland, but Head of Group Property Strategy and Development, what does that involve? Well, I look after all our commercial properties and what we're going to be doing with them into the future. And I suppose for us, the number one over the next 5, 10, 15 years is with regard to sustainability, energy savings, and just creating a new working environment for people. So it's really forward thinking, forward looking with regard to sustainability, but also the work environment for people. You can't disconnect the two, I'd say. So uh, we we actually recently just completed our new HQ, which was Fitzwilliam on the lower Fitzwilliam Street, which people may have known for years as the, the Stevenson Gibney building, which uh, people used to always say about the, the George and Block and what we did to the George and Block historically. And uh, we recently completed a 300,000 square feet development, which we've built in two blocks, F27 and F28. And we have occupied F27, which is a, a nearly zero energy building, which is an NZ building. And it's a BER rated, A rated building as well. So it's extremely sustainable building. When you were tackling this project for such an iconic location, you know, you've mentioned there that it is, of course, in the heart of the Georgian quarter. So there's huge expectations there in terms of preserving that while allowing kind of maybe the, the shape of the next generation to emerge. And that's a very difficult balance. Um, so that's th that balance without starting to look at the sustainability aspect. So let's talk just a little maybe first about the, the design considerations that went into that. Yeah, I mean, look, this, it's a very interesting uh, development here because there's almost three aspects of it. There is one which was the whole sustainability aspects. There was the, obviously the second one, which was about the, the Georgian area, the core, South Georgian core, extremely important. And then the third one for us was obviously creating a really good experience for staff into the future. And I suppose if you're into alliteration, I suppose, Carl, you'd say the three Ps, probably planet, place and people. Uh, consultants love this, the, the idea of alliteration. But really, I suppose it is those aspects. And I could talk a little bit about each, which, first of all, the planet, which is really the sustainability aspects. For us, we wanted to create something which was going to be sustainable. And that doesn't mean just energy. Energy is fundamental, but it is something which is going to last for a long, long time. And that was why we decided we used bricks. We used uh, uh, the materials which were sort of common in Georgian area, Dublin, like the, the iron railings. Uh, and we used walkways through the building. We had light whales. We wanted something which was going to last for hundreds of years, not just something which knocked down in six, 10, 15, 20 years time and refurbished type stuff. This was a sustainability building. Energy, obviously critical. And that's why we actually decided to, to look at the design first. Uh, uh, some buildings, what they do is they build a glass box, which during the winter time gets really cold, so you have to heat it up. And during the summertime, it's really hot, so you actually have to cool it down. So actually, when you're talking about sustainability, the fundamental first thing is, is the design to reduce energy and you reduce technology. It should be as passive as possible. So for us, you look at the front of our building, there's a lot of brick, there's a lot of solid it's not a glass fronted building. It's, it's about 60-40 ratio, which is the old Georgian building. And what that means is you actually use a lot of the thermal mass of the brick and the concrete to actually help with the building with regard to the cooling and warming of the building itself. They also, what we have on south facing areas, we have 
vertical fins, which is actually reduces sort of solar gain. And then on the northern side, we've actually larger windows to help with bringing light through the building as well. So those aspects of the design are really important. Uh, then you bring in the, the layers on top of that. So we actually have an underground aquifer. We're very lucky to have an underground aquifer. Although underground aquifers are, are interesting. The, the civil engineers don't particularly like any idea of any water under buildings type stuff, whereas sustainability engineers love the idea that you can get some water from under buildings. So it depends what engineering profession you have. But for us, it means we can actually bring water up from the aquifer and help with the irrigation of plants and just for general gray, gray water. We also obviously have a, uh, water retention in the roof where we actually have suds, we actually use that as well. And a green roof is one to expect too. With regard to sort of the, the roof, we've also got a number of beehives, who beehives. For us, uh, being in the central area of Dublin beside Marion Square, it was very important to have something which was in tune with the local environment. And therefore the beehives, uh, bees actually help pollinate the flowers around the place. I believe that uh, honey from the bees in, in urban areas is actually tastier than from country bees because there's a greater diversification of flowers and plants and everything else. And I did actually taste the honey there recently and it's amazing. Compared to the stuff you would buy in a supermarket out of a jar, actually to taste honey from a hive is just phenomenal. So the bees are actually doing their work as well for us, thank, thankfully, type stuff, and we're actually doing stuff back for them. So it is very much an ecosystem for, for all of us. So then there's other things as well we've got too. We've got solar panels on the roof. Uh, we've got a, a couple hundred meters of square panels of solar panels. And we've got a, a, a ground source heat pump. We've got our source heat pump. So look, I almost just sort of dismiss those type of things, which people talk about nowadays, but I almost think they're the core, they're basic now. I mean, the technology nowadays with guard, ground source, air source heat pumps, we should just be saying, that's normal. And somebody turned around to me and says, oh, so you're trying to have no impact on the environment now. And I said, no, on the contrary, we're trying to have an impact on the environment. It's a positive impact on the environment. So people, we should move away from this idea of, of doing zero to doing plus. Uh, and when I talk about sustainability, and stop me if I talk too much, because I'm, I'm from the North, so we actually talk forever no, type stuff. Actually, Pat, this is fascinating because the sustainability conversation, I think, up until quite recently, has been vague and it's been aspirational. And I understand that because it's while the industry, while uh, the, the construction side, while the developers, while the funders all understand what this means, you know, and, you know, it, it's amazing. Only at a very recent event, um, I, I heard somebody describe carbon offsetting is now considered as antisocial as smoking in a doorway. You know, it is just, it is not acceptable. So it's really interesting to hear you talk about not just net zero, but actually being, having a positive impact. So please continue because this is exactly what we need to understand from these projects. And the other thing we'd say to Carol is sustainability isn't a nine to five office type stuff. So we can't sort of say, oh, we're going to have a nine to five office environment, which is very sustainable. It has to be, people have to have it ingrained within themselves. It has to be in the culture of everyone. So even though we say no, no single-use plastics in the building, you know, we, what we did was when we inducted everyone in this building, we gave them a leap card and said, look, uh, we put a couple of euros on it, not much, but just enough to say, here, think sustainable travel. You know, you should think sustainability in your own life. So for us, sustainability wasn't a nine to five. It was end the end for people, how they get here, how they enjoy it, how they work. And also sustainability in the local environment as well. So we put a walkway through this building so that the local school children could come and go to their, their school as well. What we also did was we've actually pedestrianized or semi-pedestrianized an area at the back of the building, which is East James Trees, to create sort of like a public type plaza. And we're putting a small retail unit there, a little cafe for people outside of the building to use as well. 
I'm so, delighted. I'm delighted to hear that actually because I had the opportunity um, last year to walk in through the, the outside of the building and to experience some of the, the public area. And what I what I found really surprising is that I was expecting it because the building is quite imposing as it's designed to be on the street. When you walk in through it, it's actually very open. So it, it, the when you walk in through it, it doesn't look like how you expect it to be from the street, which is a lovely surprise in in this uh, Georgian quarter. And I'd have to sort of uh, commend our architects, Grafton and Mahoney Pike, on that because one of the things they wanted to do was to reflect the Georgian type thing. And and Georgian there was all these type of ideas, secret gardens. So you're right. So you just see the the brick facade as you walk up the street. But when you walk into the walkway, you look down, you'll see a courtyard with greenery and drought resistant plants and trees and everything else. So you do get that secret garden feeling as you walk through, you go, oh, there's green wreath here too, and biophilic design for us. We also created uh, 11 apartments as well, Carol, on the, the Mount Street, uh, which we converted into apartments, and we sold them individually. There was no big investment fund and no big things. We wanted, because we wanted families come in, so they're family-sized apartments, duplex and triplex. One of the things that people used to always say to us was that at come five o'clock or half five or six, in Murray Square, all the lights went out and the city emptied. And again, to bring people back into the city, bring life back into the city, it was residential areas. So we, we contributed to that by having 11 apartments, which we, we passed on to the other people now as well, to bring families and bring people back to the area. This is, as I'm saying, this is all about sustainability. Sustainability, people think climate change, think about, you know, CO2. It's more than that. It's about sustainability communities, sustainable living, it's about green rates, everything else. And sometimes people also find it hard to think of you know, stopping a hurricane coming to Asia, this climate type of things. But people have to think of their own microclimate as well. And that's why it's having the greenery, having fresh air locally, having local sustainable businesses. You know, you know, we can work layered all the way up and think think local as well, type stuff, and it creates a much better environment for everyone. So for us, sustainability is everything. It's not just energy. I, I think it's, I, I love the way you describe it as a planet, uh, place and people, because I think that's fundamental. Um, but, you know, it's interesting when I think about um, property development at ESB, I certainly don't think about residential for the for sale market. Um, so is that something you've engaged in previously? No, this was particular to this area because it was George and Dublin. I mean, 100, 100 years ago, this was a residential area. I mean, there were, there were people living on the streets and we actually had people on all the houses. There were people at various levels on the streets. So for us, when we were talking to Dublin City, and this almost comes back to the place. I mean, we talked a little bit about planet and sustainability. And we talk a little bit now about the place. And for us, George and Dublin, I mean, we've been here for nearly 100 years at this point, Carol, since our inception. So this is our home. We see this area as our home. And therefore, for us, working with the community, working with the people is really important for us. We're not a, a flyby. We're not a drop-in type thing. We're part of the community. And ESB has always been part of the community, whether it's been the country, whether it's been city or that's no different for us being in Georgia and Dublin. So when we talk to Dublin City, we talk to the people, we says, well, what could we do to, to make this a place which is going to be a place for people to come to? And the big thing that, that a lot of the councillors, a lot of the Dublin City officials and other people saying was, was this absence of life, this idea of the city turning off at five o'clock and it just being a wasteland at five o'clock. And we said, well, we had a number of houses, which are Georgian houses on Mount Street, and people say, well, could we do a residential element in them? So this was a bit of a give back to the city for us as well. Type stuff. So although we developed and built it and sold it on, sort of not at a net loss, 
it was a give back to try and bring life back. And it's lovely actually to see come up Marion Square now in the evening time and I can see lights on again. You know, it's it's nice the idea that there's going to be people and children going in the Marion Square again and life coming back because sustainable cities are about people living and working side by side. They're not about a large block of offices and houses away down there. It's all about this sustainable living together and people living within the city. So for us to be able to contribute to that and do something, give that something back to the city was something really important for us as well. So th th yeah. it's not what we're usually doing, but we had the opportunity here because of the location we were in. You know, it, it's an interesting one. Um, I don't know if this is a definition, but I, I think it's a good benchmark that really, you know, the hallmark of a functioning city is that the people who uh, work and contribute to it can afford to live in it. And that's just not the situation in Ireland. Um, so outside of the remit that ESB has, you were also a large employer. And so even kind of the feedback from internally, your people, can they afford? Well, first of all, are they actually based in the office now since COVID? Uh, and can they afford to live in, and commute or live within commuting distance, commuting distance of your office? Well, I mean, since the pandemic, the pandemic was a strange event for all of us to have fortunately lived through. It was actually sad for many people, but it, it was it was almost it wasn't a people think oh it changed the way we work it didn't really change it was a catalyst for change we were already moving in a certain direction and actually when we designed this building uh, carol we already had anticipated this idea of moving from individuals having a fixed desk from nine to five to move moving to an environment which we call neighborhoods so what that means is teams working together in the same place we didn't want the idea of some people go for this hot desk you know those types that we drop in we, as I'm saying, we were talking about communities, we're communities even within the organization ourselves. So we, that's why we kept this idea from neighborhoods. So you go into your team area. Now the team area is actually, uh, doesn't have as many seats as, it, as for everybody because teams come in at different times. And therefore that allowed us have some diversity, but also help uh, the, with regard to the efficiencies of the building as well. So what we're looking at now is people coming in a number of days a week. We're still today. This is a what we call a learning year for ESB because nobody knows how this whole working change is going to be for people, and it's really important to balance the needs of the business, the needs of the team, and the needs of the individual. Uh, so I always go for these threes. It's not terrible, Carol. There seems to be a threes type thing. So yes, we can all type of things, but it is. It's 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 fundamental. So it's the business, the teams, and the individual. And for us, getting that balance right will take a bit of time because obviously people are trying to work out how it works with their life. We're trying to figure out how it works with the business and everything else. So we call this year a learning year. We didn't expect to have an answer on the 1st of January. We hope to have more of an idea of an answer from the 1st of January 2023. And that's what we're doing. We're experiencing it now. So people are coming back. The good thing is what we tried to create was an environment in the office when people came here. It was a very positive experience. I've actually almost tried to get people to stop talking of it as the office and say it's not the office because people had the idea if we're going to an office, so I'm going to the office, which is the nine to five type stuff. What we did was we created a, a place of spaces in this building. So we have lots of collaboration spaces. We have a restaurant and people go, why have you got a restaurant type stuff? The restaurant actually is, is a major working area. It's also very important for serendipitous meetings. So people say you should plan your meetings coming into why you're coming into the office, you plan it. Well, actually, anyone who works knows the working environment and knows how psychology of the workplace knows a lot of innovation takes place through serendipitous meetings. This idea of the accidental meeting. Mm -hmm. I didn't I didn't mean to meet you, Carol, but now that I see it, I wouldn't mind asking about this here. And the amount of work that happens in those things is huge. 
And by having our own little little restaurant, what that means is that instead of going off to lunch with the person you'd always plan to go off with, you go down and you see three other people you didn't plan to meet. And you go, oh, I, now that I see you, I was doing that report. The amount of effectiveness and efficiency that comes out of those serendipitous meetings should never be underestimated. So we designed the building to have these clash areas where people would accidentally accidentally meet each other and that would work. So we have collaboration spaces, we've got meeting spaces, we've got sort of uh, uh, project spaces, we've got eating spaces, social spaces, all these different types of spaces. And actually somebody said to me, oh, you only need to come to work to collaborate. And I was saying, well, I know a number of people who've got four children at home. The last thing they want to do is collaborate. They need to come in to get a bit of quiet. So sometimes, so you create an, the environment with a mix of spaces and it's whatever the people need they can come in and use it and okay. I, I i've called this sorry just say yeah. i call it almost like a collegiate environment because i always think of it as back when you we were going to college you actually went in to meet friends you actually enjoyed going in to see people you went in to learn went in to collaborate and you had a bit of fun when you're in there and you were happy to go in for the, the few days that you're actually in there so we want to create that environment where people are happy to come in for the days they're in and get some benefit out of it as well um, I, I love that approach and I love the concept of designing for that. Um, I, I think your attitude towards considering this a year of learning is a really positive thing in a time when many organizations are scrambling to understand um, office use. Uh, the resources that will be needed, the square footage, is it, is it more, is it less? Um, you know, there's a lot of scrambling happening at the moment, whereas actually to be able to sit back and experience it and and really consider this to be a year of learning i think is a really positive thing but over the last few months has any behavior happened that maybe surprised you was there anything really that that you hadn't planned for well just say i mean the year of learning is important for us because we are a long-term company i mean esp has been here 100 years we're going to be 100 years now so for us taking six months nine years is really important because we are part of the fabric of the country you have to be strategic you have to be long-term and you will learn and in learning, you make sure you do the right thing in five or 10 years time. This isn't a six month turnaround type of company. We are long term and we're here for the community for long. So we can actually do this, but it's really important to learn. So you don't do so you do it right for the long term. Have we learned anything different from what we would have expected uh, type stuff? Well, I suppose it, it was for people to get over the inertia of coming in. This idea where people sort of they built up a level of working from home and they're doing things here. And, you know, oh, it's the, it's almost the fear of having to come back again. You know, what, what's I'm going to do, what I'm going to do. So it's actually trying to explain to people what, that when we talk about anchor days, well, so what we obviously what anchor days, that people be in the office anchor days. But even within the anchor days, there's flexibility. So, you know, we're, we're in a flexible world now. You don't go from one rigidity to another rigidity. So you don't turn around and say, okay, you used to come in five days a week and you're anchored to the desk. And now you'll be coming in, you'll be anchored three days to the desk. Because the idea of this idea of rigidity has to change, but people still have it in, in their head. Oh my God, I'm going from having a flexible working environment to going to a rigid working environment, and it's getting over that fear. And it takes a while for people to come in to realise, actually, this is very positive. I'm enjoying this, but it, there is there is an initial inertia, initial fear for people, and it's working with that. It's not sort of saying, "Oh, we'll get over it. You're in tomorrow morning." It's actually explained to people why you're coming in, what the environment is different and why, how we will treat them with a difference. And we've developed things that we call team charters where the teams talk to each other and say, look, explain to people well, how we're going to work and how we're going to do this in the future. And it is, it is a collaborative basis with people too as well. Because people have been in, maybe working from for two years, 
if that's their new environment and then to come change that can be very dramatic for people carol so look it is something we're learning it's something we're developing but by creating this positive environment when people come in they get the buzz again you know and that's what's really important yeah i i think that room for not just uh, you, uh, not just for the organization or the business or the team, but right down to an individual level, actually having the space to um, really figure out what works across all these different levels is very important. And um, Pat, before we finish up today, you know, we've been talking about obviously Project Fitzwilliam, which was such a, an iconic one and such a huge one. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's really strong when you put it in the terms of ESB being around for the last century and needing something that's going to serve for the next century and beyond. And but just for me to understand and for our audience to understand, you know, what's the scale of you're, you're the head of group property strategy and development. Um, what what's the scale of property and assets under your remit? We have a number of large office blocks around the country still. Uh, I mean, for, for quite a few years, we had a disposal program because a lot of our old buildings were old and we actually, like most companies, we consolidated into different in single buildings and we have a number of lease buildings around the city as well. So we still have quite a reasonable portfolio in Cork and Limerick, in Sligo, and obviously still have quite a few buildings around Dublin as well, which we're looking at as, uh, into the future. For us, we're looking at, we'll be looking at all our portfolio buildings because Fitzwilliam 27, which was an NZ building, BER, A-rated building, ESB has a goal of net zero by 20, 2040. So we'll be looking at all our buildings and we're using the Fitzwilliam 27 as a template for the future ones and saying no fossil fuels is what we'll be going like. We, there's no fossil fuels at all in F27, it's all electric. And as we move towards decarbonizing the grid, then effectively you'd be using renewable energy for the whole building type stuff. So nearly zero comes zero at that point. So we're looking at the full portfolio of buildings around the country. And over a period of time, we'll be looking to bring them up to a much higher level of sustainability as well with regard to BER, with regard to NZ as well. It's the future we're going. This for us, when I said about a learning year for the people, for us, it'll be a learning year for the building as well. We actually have uh, one of our partners, BDP, who with the M&A people, they're monitoring this building for the full year with regard to what the energy usage and how we're doing. And we'll learn from that as well. We're looking at, so learning is not only from, from the people's point of view, it's for us learning how the building operates, what's the best aspects of the building, because this is the template that we'll be using for other buildings in the future. And um, in terms of strategy, just because we know that we're coming into uncertain times, I mean, certainly the news coming out of, um, out of the tech sector over the past week alone has really put everybody in a little bit of a spin in terms of what kind of office space would be required. Um, so in addition to everything else that you do, you are the landlord for, um, you are the landlord for, uh, other organizations leasing your offices you know what kind of strategy approach are you taking and, and obviously i know the esb is a long-term company but in terms of the next 18 to 24 months and beyond that we're likely to be facing what kind of strategy have you put in place for the commercial buildings that you don't occupy yourself well we don't have many buildings that we lease on most of ours are our own buildings but we do lease a number of large buildings so we're more of a tenant than a landlord so we are carol and we are looking at those buildings with regard to the future i suppose you said about the tech industry but for us it's it's hybrid working is probably the main driver of how we operate and how we'll need to work in the future 
So there, that there's no doubt, there's no doubt that hybrid work will have a significant impact upon how the offices in the future. The level of that impact is something which we're going through and we're looking at now at the minute. So it's hard to gauge exactly what that is. But I would also say, because with my property hat on too, is you know everything is cyclical. You know, so therefore, you know, people sort of every now and again get, oh my God, and this is great having a hundred year vision that we actually look a hundred years to, you know, everything changes and everything goes up and down. So when, even though people may be saying, oh my God, the tech industry is going through, you know, we've, we've seen ups and downs and people will see ups again as well. So I wouldn't say people should get too concerned or too worried in the future. You know, uh, there, there's going to be changes over the next number of months, next number of few years. Hybrid working is probably the biggest change. We're looking at consolidation in our offices. But, you know, with the growth in the economy, it's, it's amazing when people are talking about a recession in Europe, but Ireland's still having a growth rate. I mean, that's the type of economy that we have in this country. So if, with that in mind, if, if the world is going through a recession, we're still growing. Whenever the world comes out of it again, we'll grow even faster. So there may be a blip, there may be things, but look, I'd be very positive about the outlook for property in the future. But in the near term, we'll be obviously looking at consolidating our offices, looking at the idea of the hybrid working and making sure, because this isn't about just uh, savings and things. It's about ensuring that you have enough of a density of people to make buildings energy. So if you if you had a large office block and a large office with only five or six people sitting in the office floor, there is no energy, there's nothing enough for the people at all. But if you create density where you have 20 or 30 people all working together, that creates an energy amongst people. So this is about bringing people together, not just about can you save costs. It's about ensuring you have the dynamism of the staff and the people come and go and making a happy environment for people to come into. It has to work in all ways type of stuff. So that's why sometimes it's important to, to consolidate. It's as much important to create a better environment for people than it is to say, oh, I'm saving hundred square feet types of our thousand square feet. Yeah, and look, that absolutely makes sense. And and before we finish up today, just uh, maybe for portfolio owners or managers who are listening in here today and they understand the importance of sustainability, but they are not far along on their journey. Is there maybe something you can share in terms of, of some of the early learnings um, that, that might be of benefit to them? Well, I would say that, you know, if you're talking about consolidation, you're talking about fewer offices, there's no doubt that the most sustainable offices are going to be the ones that people are going first. I mean, as I'm saying, we're using F27 as a template. All major companies will be saying sustainability is number one. So if people are only on the journey or thinking about it, I would say is, that if you are looking at your property being a commercial property in the future, it'll have to be very sustainable because that's what the core, that's the, the core principles of our company. And you be sure that'll be the core principles of a lot of national and multinational companies in the future. So sustainability is number one, I'd say, in the future. Okay. And you do recommend beehives on site? Oh, now, we, this is something small, right? People have said, oh my God, there's 100,000 bees in your roof. Oh my God. You know, We've obviously a lot of greenery, a lot of planting in our roof, and uh, and we had Bernard Seymour did our planting, so it's a lot of wild planting, and there, we have a little tea area people can sit out on, and there's bees all around them, and people don't even notice the bees. Like bees don't bother people; they're very happy. They're they're great partners, great neighbours to have in anybody's house type stuff and anybody's building. So I thoroughly recommend them as a neighbour. Um, do you know I I've learned a lot from you here today. Uh, and one of those things is that I have never heard before that uh, the honey from bees, from urban bees, is different. Not to talk uh, about superior to that. I, I have to be careful, Carl, or else I'll get bee growers from all around the country giving out to me. Type stuff. This is all personal preferences, by the way, Carl. All, well, all I say is that the bee, the, the honeycomb bee that I tried from up above was delicious. 
Well, I'm going to test that theory and I will definitely be reporting back. So it's, it's always good to learn something new. Thank you so much for being with us today. It was lovely. You're very nice. Thank you very much for that. Thank you. That was Pat Boyle, Head of Group Property Strategy and Development at ESB. And that's it from us this week. You can get in touch with the show on social media at iProperty Radio or email hello at iPropertyRadio.com. My thanks to the Hear Me Roar production team and to Luke Delaney on sound for Dublin South FM. Until next time, thank you for listening.